right, let's stand up and praise the King. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to be able to come in this place and worship you. I thank you, Father, that you allow us to praise you, that you allow us to be in your presence, that you allow us to come and glorify your holy name. What an honor it is to be able to bow at the feet of the creator of the heavens and the earth. Whatever you ask, Father, our answer is yes. Whatever you ask of us, our answer is yes. Have your way, Father. I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will. I count on one thing. Same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will, because I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names. And nothing can stand against, and I choose to praise. Well, to glorify, glorify the name of all names. And nothing can stand again, so I choose to praise. To glorify, glorify the name of our names. Oh, nothing can stand against. And yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will not choose to praise. To glorify, glorify the name of all names. Well, then nothing can stand against, and I choose to pray. 
praise. Want to glorify, glorify the name of our names. And nothing can stand against. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will. Oh, you're calling me to lay aside the worries of my day, to quiet down my busy mind and find a hiding place worthy. You are worthy. And I opened up my heart let my spirit worship yours i opened up my mouth and let a song of praise come forth worthy you are worthy of a child like faith and of my honest praise of my unashamed love and of a holy life and of my sacrifice and of my unashamed love you're calling me to lay aside the worries of my day to quiet down my busy mind and find a hiding place worthy you are worthy lord and I opened up my heart let my spirit worship yours i opened up my mouth and let a song of praise come forth worthy you are worthy and of a child like faith and of my honest praise and of my unashamed love and of a holy life and of my sacrifice and of my unashamed love and of a childlike faith and of my honest praise and of my unashamed love and of a holy life and of my sacrifice father and of my unashamed love you are worthy You are worthy. 
Father, you're worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. Oh, Lord. You are worthy. You are worthy. Of a childlike faith and of my honest praise, of my honest shame, love, and of a holy life and of my sacrifice, and of my honest shame, love, worthy. Father, you are worthy, worthy, you are worthy, Lord, you are worthy, of glory and praise, power and strength. Worthy is the Lamb of God, hallelujah, glory and praise, power and strength. Worthy is the Lamb of God, hallelujah, glory and praise, power and strength. Worthy is the Lamb of God, hallelujah. Oh, glory and praise, power and strength. Worthy is the Lamb of God, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Worthy is the Lamb of God, hallelujah. You are worthy. And the praise is yours. And the praise is yours. You're the one we bow before Reigning over us As we lift you up You will reign forevermore And the praise is yours And the praise is yours You're the one we bow before Reigning over us as we lift you up, you will reign forevermore. Glory and praise, power and strength, worthy is the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Glory and praise, power and strength, worthy is the Lamb of God, hallelujah.
and hallelujah oh yes hallelujah and hallelujah worthy is the lamb of god hallelujah Yeah. And the praise is yours All the praise is yours You're the one we bow before Reigning over us As we lift you up You reign forevermore And the praise is yours And the praise is yours You're the one we bow before Reading over us As we lift you up You will reign forevermore Father, we give you all the praise, the honor, and glory you are our King, our Lord, and our Savior, our Redeemer, and our Healer. You are the great I Am. And all the praise and honor and glory belongs to you. Everything in our lives, God, from what we do for work to our families is given to you in praise and worship. Every act of service is praise and worship to you. Father, we want to be whatever you want us to be. We want to do whatever you want us to do. Have your way in our lives, Father. Every moment of every day, not just on Sundays, not just on Wednesdays, but, Father, every morning when we wake up, Father, you be the center of our lives. God, when we wake up, remind us of what your plan is for that day. And, God, if we don't hear it, Lord, we just take one step at a time, knowing that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by you. Because oh, my heart is the wick, your love is the flame, and I want to burn for your name. My heart is the wick, your love is the flame, and I want to burn for your name. My heart is the wick, your love is the flame, and I want to burn for your name. My heart is the wick, your love is the flame, and I want to burn for your name, I want to burn for you, only you, and only you. 
want to burn, burn for you, only you, only you. My heart is the weak, your love is the flame, and I want to burn for your name. Heart is the weak, love is the flame, and I wanna burn for your name. Father, our lives are a living sacrifice for you. Whatever it is that you want, Father, we want to be a light to this world, God, and let you burn. Let you burn, Father. Oh, so Father, my heart is the weak. Your love is the flame, and I wanna burn for Your name. My heart is the weak. Your love is the flame, and I want to burn for your name. Oh, burn for you. I want to burn. Father, we put ourselves as sacrifices on the altar. Purify our hearts, purify our lives. That the flame that burns from us is a pure flame that's bright and shining, that draws attention to you, Father, not us. Oh, but. Burn for you, only you, only you. I want to burn, burn for you, only you. I want to burn, I want to burn. I want to be the light for you. Lord, have your way. Have your way. And I want to burn. I want to burn. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain. That I can't control. I want more of you, God. And I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. Oh, set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. 
And I want more of you, God. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. And I want more of you, God. Oh, I want more. Lord, I want more. And I want more. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be than here in your love. Here in your love. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be than here in your love. Here in your love. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. And I want more of you, God. And I want more of you, God. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Oh, I want more. I want more. I want more, 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 I want more. So pour it out. I want more, I want more, I want more, I want more, I want more. So pour it out. Oh, yes. So pour it out, and I want more. Fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more, and I want more. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. We want more. We want more. So pour it out. We want more. We want more. So pour it out. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be than here in your love. Here in your love, no place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be than here in your love. No place I would rather be than here in your love. 
There's a hunger and a thirst. Oh, I am desperate. Immerse me, and I'm not waiting, not anymore. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. There's a hunger. And the thirst, I am desperate. Immerse me, and I'm not waiting, not anymore. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Oh. I need you, Lord. 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 Oh, sweep me away. Sweep me away with you. Sweep me away Oh, sweep me away with you Come and sweep me away Sweep me away with you Sweep me away Sweep me away with you Cause there's a hunger And a thirst And I am desperate Immerse me And I'm not waiting Not anymore I need Lord, I need you, Lord. There's a hunger and a thirst, and I am desperate. Immerse me, and I'm not waiting, not anymore. I need you. I need you, Lord. 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 I need 
There's a hunger I am desperate I am hungry, Lord And I am desperate And I am hungry, Lord And I am desperate, so fill me, Lord. And I am hungry, Lord. Oh, oh. And I am desperate, oh, come and fill me, Lord. And I am hungry, Lord. Oh, oh. And I am desperate, come and fill me. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, Lord. Oh, fill me up. Fill us up. Fill us up, fill us up, Lord, fill us up, Lord, fill us up, Lord, oh, fill us up, Lord, fill us up, Lord, fill us up, Lord, oh. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. We're open, Lord. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. We are open, Lord. Heavenly Father, we just come to this place tonight and we give you honor and praise. But we also just let you know we're just hungry. There is a hunger for you, for more of you, for God that you would just draw us even deeper in you that our hunger would lead us there that our hunger would draw us into a deeper place with you Lord God because there's no way that we can know the depth and the width and the breadth of all of who you are and all that you desire God, if we fill ourselves with other stuff, then the hunger factor is taken away. And you said, those who hunger and thirst shall be filled. Yes. So God, we say tonight, we hunger for you. We long for you. Holy Spirit, 
Holy Spirit. You know each and every one in this place, watching online. God, you know where they're at. Draw us closer, Lord, deeper in you, we pray. For your glory, for your name, for your kingdom purposes, we ask it, Lord God. In Jesus' name tonight. Amen. Amen. Would you take a moment and just turn and greet somebody tonight? Maybe you've not had a chance to. I know several people are at the funeral home tonight uh, with Miss Mar Mary's visitation. Um, but we're glad that you're here. Amen. I wonder if somebody has, I've asked for the last, last few weeks, anybody have a testimony, a praise report, something you want to thank God for that he's done for you in recent or anything along that line? Can you talk? Yes, you can talk. Right then and there. <laughs> well, if you couldn't hear, she said that she had hid some jewelry before going to Florida, got back and couldn't remember where she hid it, looked everywhere. Has anybody ever done that before? I know I have. I found a Valentine's card that I bought from my wife three years ago yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've done, like, bought something for our anniversary or a birthday and say, I've got it, and then forgot where I put it. And <laughs> yesterday, looking for something else, I said, what is this? And I said, there's that card. I knew I'd bought that card. But anyway, she said she just prayed, Lord, open my memory pathways. And right then and there, she remembered where, where it was. So that's awesome. That's it. Amen. Anybody else? Yes, she passed her test. That's awesome. That that's get in, get into nursing. Yes, awesome. That's great. Anybody else? That's a big thing, man. I mean, study, study, and study, and study, and if you miss it, you know, you got to wait. <laughs> so, anybody else? Praise the Lord. That's great. Amen. Well, God answers prayer. He's been answering prayer. He's, he really has. And uh, I thank those who prayed for me this morning because I was out of it this morning. I couldn't make it this morning to prayer. I was. It hit me yesterday afternoon. By, last, by the time I finished hospital visitation yesterday, I felt like I'd been run over by a truck. My body woke up at 4.30 this morning because every Wednesday morning I'm up at 4.30 to come and unlock the church. And my body said, no. And I had already spoke with Brother Tiger and, and said, 
you got to be there, man, because I'm not going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to make it. And uh, by the time I got up, I started feeling better. And as the day has gone on, I have felt so much better. So I appreciate those prayers. I really do. And um, God's, God's just answering prayers in very strange ways. Can I say that strange? <laughs> Unique ways. Maybe that sounds better. Unique ways. But he's having, he's doing it. He's, he's answering prayers in very unique ways. Like we're going, why? Why this? Why this way? And then all of a sudden, it becomes clear. And um, so anyway, uh, we've been doing a little series on Wednesday night um, on exercising discernment. And um, the reason... I've been doing this is because there is a lot of foolish doctrines, teachings that are floating around in the church world today. And so my purpose in this is simply to teach what discernment is, how to exercise it. This may be the last week or maybe it may do one more week. I'm not sure. But one of the things that we pointed out over the, the last few weeks is that Jesus said in Matthew 7:16. He told us how to test um, uh, ministries or things that in the spiritual realm. And he says, you will know them by their fruits. Um, and then in verse 17 and 18, he goes on, he says, even so, uh, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. That is so simple, but it is so powerful if we understand that. It is impossible for a bad tree to bear good fruit. And it's impossible for a good tree to bear bad fruit is what he's saying here. And it's a very practical teaching for us. And we talked about last week that um, whenever we encounter bad fruit, and I'm talking spiritually now, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, you found a rotten apple in your refrigerator that slipped into the back or something like that, you know. I'm just talking about spiritually. Then you have to go back and look at the source. Where did it come from? And we talked about the fact that we need to, we need to recognize that bad fruit comes from a bad tree. And when last week we talked about a little bit about this, that uh, we have to discern. Um, we have to recognize and discern and deal with the bad tree, recognize that's the source of where it came from. And then we talked about that we need to recognize the soil that produces bad trees. What is it that produces bad trees, that produces bad spiritual fruit? And the one thing that I focused on um, is the fact that the bad soil more than almost always is pride in some way, form or fashion, which shouldn't surprise us because it was the very issue that caused Lucifer to be kicked out of heaven. He was filled with pride and he was cast out of heaven. So it, 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 would, it's, it should not surprise us that it's the primary, I started to say weapon, but it's really it's a primary tool that the enemy wants to use to bring about the downfall of humanity itself. What, what, is, what is sin uh, in, let me back it up this way. What is it the Bible says separates us from God? Sin. He says your sins have separated you from God. What is 
what, what is the sin that causes us to not recognize who God is? It's pride. We, we see ourselves as in control. We see ourselves as the God of our life. We, are, we see ourselves. We are dependent on ourselves rather than seeing God as the one we need to be dependent upon. So in, in essence, soil, the bad soil that sin is, is birthed in is, is pride. And so the, if pride is the source the ultimate source of bad soil that produces bad trees, that produces bad fruit, then what is the fix for that? And the safeguard is humility. Okay, the safeguard is humility. And Jesus was, again, the pattern for this humility. And I'm not talking about false humility, because false humility is actually pride. Where people who go around... You know, oh, I'm so humble, I'm so humble, don't, don't, don't pay attention to me, I can't do anything, I can't, I'm, I'm not worthy, I'm not, you know what that is? That's just pride because you're just drawing attention to yourself, you're just doing it in a negative way. Uh, we read last week in Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 8, and we read that they're uh, looking at the life of Jesus and what he records for us that the, the seven successive downward steps, if I can put it that way, where Jesus made of himself lower than the angels, the book of Hebrews says. He, he lowered himself from where he was. The Bible says he set aside his father's glory. He became lower than the angels. He became human. And, and there were seven steps in that. We went through all of that and we, to the point that he was crucified on the cross like a criminal. I mean, you can't get any lower than that. And so we read in the scripture, it says, therefore, in other words, because he did that, therefore God has highly exalted him. And we notice the, the significance of the therefore. That's why I've got it underlined up there. Jesus was not exalted because he was God's only son. He wasn't like God's pet, God's favorite. God, you know, God had to do that because of that. He was exalted because Jesus fulfilled all of the things that were required for humbling oneself to be exalted. He had to humble himself. And so there's, there's uh, five things that, there could be more, but I, I don't want to make this really exhaustive or anything like this. But what kind of fruit should we be looking for? What kind of good fruit should we be looking for? And if the principle is a tree is known by its fruit. Like I don't go up to, um, I, I grew up m m many years of my life in the Northeast, and we had apple trees. And we would go pick apples. I never went up to an apple tree expecting oranges. But when I lived on the Mexican border in Laredo, Texas, when I was a kid, in my backyard, we have grapefruit trees and orange trees and lemon trees. And I would go back there and I'd, I'd say, Mom, I want a grapefruit. She said, go pick one. And I'd go pick a big old grapefruit. And I never walked in the house and said, Mom, I got an apple. Because grapefruit trees don't produce apples. Apples don't produce lemons. And so if a tree is known by its fruit, 
than logically in evaluating any move that's going on in the church, any move that is purported uh, purport to be of God, we should be able to ask the question, what kind of fruit are we seeing from this move? Because, look, we, I said this a few weeks ago, oftentimes God works outside our box. Come on now, right? How many of you know that God doesn't fit in your box? And, and some of you are going, you're real spiritual going, I don't have a box, and I don't have God in a box. Until God does something outside your wheelhouse, and all of a sudden you're going, mm, wow, uh, never saw that before, didn't see that coming. That's what I tell my wife all the time. I go, ooh, I didn't see that coming. And uh, because I, I, I tried to play, I tried to see things and, and stay, but God every once in a while just throws a curveball, right? And you're like, oh, I didn't see that coming at all. So um, uh, I, I need to be able to discern if what's taking place is of God. So if good fruit comes from a good tree out of good soil, what kind of fruit should I be looking for, okay? And so, um, in other words, what kind of fruit would authenticate an, an act of God, a work of God, a move of God? I read an article um, a couple of days ago by uh, Lonnie Frisbee's um, wife. Yeah. And um, it was a re really interesting article. Anybody, did anybody see that? If you don't remember Lonnie Frisbee, he was the guy that um, was featured in the Jesus um, uh, film. Uh, what is it? Yeah, Jesus Revolution. He was the evangelist. Uh, but it, it, it was a little, he was only like 19, 20 years old at that time, whereas the person they used was 35, something, 38 years old. And... Um, but she talked about some of the behind-the-scenes things that people didn't know about. And um, she talked about what that was like and, 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 and the ideas that people have about that. And one of the interesting things was she said, it really, whereas the movie or the books or stories might be lost on key characters, she said the one underlying factor of that Jesus movement was there was a there was such a hunger to know the reality of God among the young people of that day. You have to understand, those of us who lived through that time, the whole world as we knew it was upside down. The Vietnam War was going on. There were all the riots going on on the university campuses. Uh, California, Haight-Ashbury, the hippie movement. Uh, they were dropping out on drugs, LSD, everything. It was just a... And, and you know what? All of that produced a hunger. And it was because people were trying to fill the emptiness with all this other stuff. And it, it created a hunger. Well, along with that, so along came this a divine, just divine move of God. But as, I can, as, as church history shows, that every time God has moved, there are counterfeit moves or other things that will spring up to try and divert people off to the side. And so um, that's why I say it's important to say, how can I know if this is God? 
What are some of the fruits? Because he says, by your fruits. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. Bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So the, the first fruit that I put up is the fruit of repentance. Now, I know that may seem kind of strange, but I, it's, it's just to me, it's the fruit of repentance. It's the, John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus' coming by calling people to repent. Uh, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. I'm going to put up several things. It was, but it was the very first thing that God required. God didn't require faith. He required repentance. He said, you've got you've to repent, and then you've got to believe. And he's, Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. When religious people came to uh, uh, him for baptism, he demanded that they produce in their lives the fruits of repentance. The first word that, do you know, go back and look at the very first word that Jesus ever preached in Mark 1.15, and the word was repent. He told the multitudes in Luke 13.35, unless you repent, you will perish. After his resurrection, he told his disciples that they were to go and preach repentance first, and then the forgiveness of sins. He put that first, and that's found in Luke 24.47. On the day of Pentecost, Acts 2.38, when the people were convicted by Peter preaching, he said, what, what must we do? He said, the first thing you need to do is repent and then be baptized. Uh, speaking to the people in Athens, Paul said, God now commands all people everywhere to repent, Acts 17 and 30. Um, and throughout his ministry, um, Paul talked about repentance towards God and then faith towards Christ. So true repentance is not an emotion, but a decision of the will. It's a it is a decision. It is a choosing that we, and we need to help people understand that so that we don't, I don't know how to say it without being, I think that we mislead people sometimes by saying all they have to do is say this little dinky prayer. And they, they don't need to understand that, that God requires that they repent and turn from their ways. That doesn't mean they're going to be perfect overnight in their ways, but they are forgiven, yes. But if we tell people just, when I was coming up, when, and when I came to Christ in the early part of the Jesus movement, um, everybody was dropping acid and everything else, and they and the key word in the early part of the Jesus movement was, Jesus is the greatest high you could ever have. Try Jesus. Well, the problem with highs is there's always a low. But it sounded like you were always going to have a high, and so that was misleading. And then the idea was try Jesus. That's still conveyed in many churches today as if, try it out. You know, it's like, try them for 17, seven days. If you don't like them, bring it back. You know, that kind of thing. You know, the kick the tires kind of thing we used to say, you know, and see if you like it or not. Um, people need to understand that repentance is turning away from all sin and submitting ourselves, surrendering ourselves. I was praying with a man one time. And I said, pray with me. I went through the whole thing about repentance. 
And, and I said, do you understand this? He said, yes, I understand. I said, so this means there's going to be a change. There's going to be new direction. Yes, yes, yes. So I said, pray with me. And so we prayed. And I said, he, he prayed, you know, Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Past, present, future. Forgive me of all those sins, Lord God. And then I said, and I surrender everything to you now. And he stopped me and he said, what do you mean I surrender? I said, you surrender. He's now in charge. He said, you mean like surrender? I said, yeah, like surrender. I mean, give everything to you. You surrender. He said, I can't do that. I said, what part did I not make clear to you? You know, repentance is realizing that you in charge went the wrong way, fell short of God's standards. Now you need Jesus in your life. He's not a get out of hell free card. And, and um, he said, I can't pray that prayer. And he left. And I was just dumbfounded, shocked. I'd never had anybody do that before. And, um, but repentance uh, and um, is, is the first of the six foundation doctrines that are found in Hebrews chapter 6, verse, verses 1 and 2. Uh, it says, therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ. And look what it says. Go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So the writer says, he said, there are there's six, six foundational things here. And he starts off with what? The re foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death. He says, so that repentance has to take place, and then faith in God, and then he goes on and he says, then there's baptisms, and then there's the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, the eternal judgment. He said, we need to move on to, from these things, but people need to understand that. So I thought it was interesting that he starts with the foundation of repentance before anything else. And, and again, out of those six doctrines there, repentance is the first one. You cannot have truly repented without, and, and, and let, me, let me back up and say it this way. Those who have not truly repented will never have a solid foundation and, and cannot have a Christian, they cannot walk a Christian life. They will fall away. That's all there is to it. I'm not going to beat that horse to death, but anyway, the church in the West has gotten away from the idea of repentance, and we've moved into the idea over the last 50 years of decisions. Make a decision for Jesus. And before that time, it used to be that we, stopped, we spoke of conversions, which is change. Like converting money, like you go to another country, you convert money because that's the money that's used in that country. It's been changed. If you bring it back to the United States, it's not going to work down at the local grocery store, the money from another country, without changing it back. So um, the church went to this idea, make a decision for Jesus. The problem is I can make a decision about anything today and change my mind tomorrow. 
And, and so we re, the church really needs to stress this foundational truth about repentance. So when I see something that's purported to be a, a move of God, and yet I don't hear repentance being preached, I don't see repentance being taught, but they're sidestepping that, I get a red flag. Now, I'll wait to see what, if, it, if maybe it's a one-off thing, but if night after night or day after day or week after week there is nothing about repentance, then that has to send up a, a warning signal, okay? The second thing is, deals with um, respect for Scripture. Um, the second, to me, to the deci second decisive factor is our attitude towards Scripture, our attitude. Jesus called the scripture the, the word of God. He put his personal seal upon it by five simple words. He says, the scripture cannot be broken, John 10, 35. There's, the, I, I read another article yet the other day of several the, theologians dissecting a, a couple of verses of scripture saying that this had a, a dual meaning. And and what they were trying to read into this passage of Scripture had nothing. It was taken totally out of the context in which it was written. And anytime you take a verse out of a context, it becomes a pretext for a different argument. And I can make, you can make the Scripture say anything that you want. But you have to go back to the verses before and the back to the verses afterwards. And um, I had the privilege as a young man to meet Finest Jennings Dake. Now, I don't know if anybody in here knows who that, that individual is. I know you would. <laughs> and um, uh, there is what is, you can buy what is called the Dakes Annotated Bible. Now, I had a friend in high school who burned his brains out on LSD, got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and God restored his mind. And, uh, but he called it the Dakes Anointed Bible. And I kept trying to show him that anointed and annotated was spelled different. But to him, it was the Dakes Anointed Bible. And, but Finest Jennings Dake was a scholar, um, and to meet him in person was, in, was an incredible experience. Uh, it was in South Bend, Indiana, at Dr. Lester Sumrall's place. And, um, but when he was baptized in the Holy Ghost at a Brush Arbor meeting, he spoke in tongues, continued in an upper room. He went to an upper room and never came down, and he stayed there, and every waking moment, he prayed in the Holy Ghost for two weeks. He said it just, it just was so heavy on him. And from that point on, he'll tell you that from that point on, now he had been... A, had studied the scriptures and written, you know, commentaries and articles and things. But from that moment on, he said, anytime somebody would ask him a question about a scripture, he said, now you have to understand this is old days. He said it was like somebody turned on a tape recorder, those old reel-to-reel -reel tape recorders. And he said, you could, he said inside he could hear it go, like, He'd say, brother, to understand that verse, you have to go back to the five verses before that and the three verses after that, and then he would quote them to you. Amazing. And um, uh, he, he, at a pastor's meeting in South Bend, Indiana, 
he entertained questions from ministers from all over the country. And then near the end, a young minister stood up and said, Brother Dake, what if when I get to heaven, I don't like it? And man, it just got quiet, just like y'all are right now. I mean, you could hear the air. Everybody went, <gasps> like, can't believe anybody would say that, you know. And, um, and Brother Dake stood up, and in his kind of booming voice he had, even in his older years, he said, then young man, he said, God will pick you up by the scruff of your neck and walk you over to the edge of heaven and drop you in the pits of hell. And then he went verse after verse after verse after verse after verse. After that, there was nobody wanted to ask any questions. <laughs> None whatsoever. I mean, it was the word. He knew the word. And um, it's, uh, it, it's, he was just, it was an amazing experience for me to know somebody like that. I think he, I, I don't know if it's actual factual, but I heard that he had the Bible supernaturally put in his brain. Like it was, like he knew and never read it. It was something very, I think it was a big mistake. I heard him say that he studied probably close to 100,000 hours of the scripture. Now that, I think that was, Afterwards, when he started writing the, his Bible, you know, his version of the Bible. If you want a Bible with footnotes, it's not a small Bible. I have one in my office that's going to be about this big and about this big and about that thick. And very thin pages. And don't get the pages wet because if they dry out, the whole book will go bloom like a flower. And I know that because my friend who was on LSD, they get saved and he goes, left it on the back porch and open uh, in an Alabama um, shower. It was even though it was covered, the moisture got to the pages, and microwaves had just come out. So we figured we could put that book in the microwave and dry it out. And we dried out every book but the book of Leviticus. We could not get Leviticus dried out. And, and my friend said, he said, well, I'm convinced. He said, look at that. He said, even microwaves can't get through the law. No wonder people are damned and going to hell. <laughs> Had a unique way of, of seeing things. And, uh, but, yeah, he, he, he did say that it was just like after that, he said, any verse, anywhere, he, he said it was like a tape recorder would click on and he could see the verses before and the verses after. And I was like, God, oh, that would be an incredible gift. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It, it, he's it, very unique. And in fact, uh, my wife and I um, went by his house outside, outside in the Atlanta area. And he printed his Bibles and everything where it's in his house. And had U, it was like a U-shaped mansion. But most of it was printing. And the trucks actually backed up and loaded up um, all the books and stuff like that. It, it was a very unique experience for a young man. And um, uh, I, I'm so thankful for those, those really cool moments in my own life. Um, but if we don't believe this Bible then we don't believe in Jesus. Because the Bible is the word of God. And Jesus was the word that was made flesh. 
And so if we don't believe in this, then we don't believe in Jesus. Isaiah 66 and 2 says, This is the one I esteem, he who is humble and contrite and trembles at my word. And God combines the word repentance, a humble and contrite, with faith in his word. So he's talking about you've got to, you've got to tremble or be humbled by that and then tremble at his word, have faith in his word. So why should we tremble at God's word? Um, I think there's two reasons. One, first is because it, it's the way that God comes to us and makes his home and abides with us. It's his word. It's his word inside of us, you know. And how many of you have ever woke up one day and all of a sudden you find yourself, I have a verse or something going through your mind and you weren't even thinking it, but it's just, it's there because he's abiding in you. And not only that, it's because God's word will one day be our judge. And so that's a good reason, those two reasons alone to, to tremble. But from creation onward, God worked through two main agents, through the word and through the through Holy Spirit. And first the Spirit of God moved and God's word went forth. That's what Genesis says. And the result was creation. The Spirit of God hovered over the waters and then God spoke and out of it came day and night, light, darkness, the land, all of those things. And so God has always worked in harmony between the Spirit and through the word of God. And so the scripture says that all um, all scripture is what? Is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So God's never going to contradict his word. And when you find someone who's making a contradictory statement, they either don't understand the word or they're deliberately manipulating it or taking it out of its context. And that's why it's so important to understand the context in which things are written. Uh, so every... Everything that's ever said, everything, um, everything that's ever, that ever takes place, a manifestation of the Spirit, gift of the Spirit, whatever, you, we have to ask ourselves, is it in harmony with the Scripture? Is it, uh, is, if so, we can receive it. If not, then the Bible says reject it. Uh, the third kind of fruit is the exaltation of Jesus. So we've, we... Um, is there repentance being preached? Is the word being honored? If I could put it that way. I remember my old pastor used to always say, would you stand for the reading of the word? We just stand in honor of the word, you know? And, um, but uh, the exaltation of Jesus, in John 16, verse 13 and 14, Jesus promised his disciples... He said, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will glorify me. And so Jesus here reveals two important facts of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the first one is to glorify Jesus. He's come to glorify Jesus. It's not that Jesus is greater than Holy Spirit. Again, it's this triune being that they're one and yet they're separate and that they have uh, unique characteristics and ministries and all of those things, but they are one. And so the Holy Spirit comes to focus attention on Jesus. So 
I can, I can be in a meeting and, and say, is the focus on Jesus? Is the focus on the word? Or is the focus being drawn to an individual? Then my little antennas start going up. Okay? Does it exalt Jesus? Is it exalting him? Or is it exalting a, a person? Or a ministry? Or something else? All, all, you know, as soon as human personalities are allowed to take the center stage, Holy Spirit begins to withdraw. Um, I, I remember a number of years ago, here in Lafayette, um, a brother from Argentina, from part of the Argentine revival came to speak at a church here in town. And it was humble, it was powerful, and I was, um, it was Brother Scataglini from Argentina. And um, he, he made an altar call and people went forward to repent. I'm talking about Christians were repenting because he spoke on holiness. It was a powerful message and, and yet humbled by, and brought in such a humble way that it didn't glorify him at all. If anything, it debased him, brought him, he said, you know, he said, I'm, I'm not even worthy to be here to tell this. He said, but I can tell you what God has brought me through. And so people went forward and about that time, a gentleman, a minister, in this, and, and uh, that some of you may know, but he grabbed another microphone and suddenly took control of that meeting. He said, Holy Spirit's here and he wants to minister to all these people who are coming forward. So here's what I want you to do, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and all of a sudden, all the attention started getting focused on him. And he was using statements like, uh, uh, now in the past, when we've seen God move like this, this is what I've done, and I've done this, and I've done this, and, I've, and, and, and uh, uh, we're going to come down, and, and, and we're going we're gonna, to, everything changed from glorifying Christ and Holy Spirit to that individual. And I felt Holy Spirit leave. Boom. I mean, it was, it was sickening to me. And I turned to my wife. I said, we're going home. And we didn't live here in Lafayette at the time. We lived in Eunice. And I said, we're going home. I said, come on. Uh, and, and we both instantly felt him leave. Remember, Holy Spirit is signified like a dove. And a dove is very skittish. And when he takes off, he's gone. I mean, it doesn't take much. And, and so anytime human personalities try to take center stage, Holy Spirit will just withdraw. And, and the exaltation of human personalities has so many times quenched a genuine move of God. And, and so... It's going, there's two characteristics of the Holy Spirit. He's going to glorify Jesus. And the second thing is we need to understand Holy Spirit is a person, not an it. 
not a subject or, you know, he is a being, he is a person. Um, I know that the scripture in many places says the Holy Spirit, but I would never walk up to Tracy and say, the Tracy Guillory, or I would never say the Andrew Edelman. I would never say that. Why? Because it's not a title, it's their name, because they're a person. Holy Spirit is the name, his name. And so we recognize, yes, I don't want to get real technical about that and, or legalistic about that, but a lot of times we say things in a way that it, it, it makes Holy Spirit an object more than a person. Yes, there's times we say, have you been filled with the Spirit? Or have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? But it's, he's not an object. And, and I, I think we just need to be more conscious of that. Maybe I'm just talking to myself, but um, because he, he draws, he guides, he releases gifts, he gives revelation, he does those things. It's not an it, and he's not AI. I had a guy tell me the other day that they knew a minister in the state got online and just gave three or four things and put together and to uh, artificial intelligence program and a three-page sermon popped out. That was perfect. I said, it may be perfect gram grammatically, theologically, whatever, but it's not filled with the anointing of the Spirit of God if a machine popped it out. And I received an email today just today, from a company, and they said, sign up for our service. It, I forgot the name of the service. For X number of dollars a month, you tell us each week what subjects you want and what key things you want, and we put that in, and we will send to you two or three complete messages that you'll be able to, and I'm like, whoa! I said, this is... This is freaking me out. I said, this is like revelation time. I mean, you talk about a false church. And, and well, anyway, listen, anytime we can have a gathering and Holy Spirit's not there, why are we there? We, we should be gathering expecting that. And so when we make doctrine or an experience our focus in any of our gatherings we are spiritually off center did you understand what i meant by that that's not saying again the scripture says hold on to that which is good throw away that which is evil but when we make doctrine or our experience the focus of our gathering and and remove holy spirit we're, we're out of kilter. Uh, I mentioned it, I think, a few weeks ago. A large church up in the Memphis, Tennessee area from many years ago. I knew this because I was living in Tennessee. 
Um, church was growing, but all of a sudden attracting the upper class of that area. And this was an Assembly of God church, supposed to be a full gospel, spirit-filled, Bible-believing, Holy Ghost-filled church. And the pastor got up and made the announcement that, that there would be no longer any messages in tongues, interpretations, prophecies, or anything like that in the sanctuary during service. If you felt like God gave you a message, go see an usher. They'd take you to another room and you could write it down on a piece of paper to be submitted to the pastor later in the week. And I was shocked when I heard that. And I remember thinking, they just kicked Holy Spirit out. He'll just let them have what they have. But he won't be there. My friends, I don't know about you, we never need to get there. But when the experience becomes center, or doctrine in and of itself without Holy Spirit becomes center, and then we're off center. That's all I can say. The fourth fruit is love for fellow Christians. And I know that seems strange, but John 13, 35, Jesus said, this all men will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. First uh, Timothy 1, verse 5, Paul said, the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. Um, any form of religious activity that doesn't produce this kind of love for one another, a camaraderie among brothers and sisters in the Lord, um, it's, it, it's fruitless. It's, it's not genuine. There's something wrong. Um, in 1 Corinthians 13 and 2, Paul says, I, if I have all spiritual gifts of power and revelation, but have not love, I have nothing. And, and so... I've seen churches split. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but I've seen churches and organizations split um, over some of the most ridiculous things, silly things. And um, I know of two or three in this city in the last six months. They've split and gone separate directions because they couldn't get along with one another. I said, there's something seriously wrong. If, if, both, if, if you're all... Loving Jesus and abiding in the word and whatever, then the, the Lord shows us how to work through disagreements or whatever. That, that God can get the glory for it. But where is the benefit in a church splitting? Uh, I remember years ago I heard Mark Rutland tell the story. He was driving from north part of the country down back down to Florida. He was at Southeastern Bible College at the time as the president there. And he was tired and he pulled off the side of the road and he said it was a beautiful little white frame uh, church of a certain denomination, had beautiful willow tree there. He said it was shade. He rolled down the windows, stopped the engine. There was a great breeze coming through and he said it was just one of those Beautiful, looked like it could be a painting, you know, perfect little white church, you know, in, in an immaculate condition. And the name of the church was Harmony Something Church. I won't say the denomination. Harmony Church, we'll just say. 
And he thought, wow, that is so awesome. He said he let his seat back a little bit, and he said, I'm just going to take a nap here and just rest in the presence of harmony, church. And all of a sudden he looked, and right across the street almost at a diagonal from that church was another white church, looked exactly the same as this church. And the name of that church was Greater Harmony Church. They built across the street from each other. And he said, I couldn't even stay. He said, I was so tired. He said, but it just made me sick just to see that and know that that was there. He said, I wanted to just block my mind, you know, just, oh, just lay down, go to sleep, just forget about it. But all he could picture in his mind is what happened that they built like diagonally across from each other and you would have Harmony Church and Greater Harmony Church. I started a church in South Louisiana and there were three uh, Roman Catholic churches and two black Baptist churches in that area. And, and the, of the black churches, uh, one was First Baptist and the other one was Greater Second Baptist. I'm serious. And I was like, oh. And, and the story of Mark Raleigh came to mind. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And, and we later learned that it was a split off of the first, and they went up to the other end of town, you know. And I'm like, just that. And so every time you'd go around town, it was a little tiny community. You'd see a white van go by, First Baptist. Second one was Greater Second Baptist. And I'm like, There'll be a third eventually, you know, <laughs> the greatest of the, you know, the best or something like that, you know. Um, but there's just something wrong. And, 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 and so let me just throw this out to you. Before we apply the test to others, we need to apply the test to ourselves. And what I mean by that is we need to ask ourselves, has my faith in Christ made me a more loving person? Because it's then and only then that I can look at others. I can't judge others if I'm not willing to judge myself. And, 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 and is, it produ is the fruit of this movement, is the fruit of this church, is the fruit of this ministry, is it producing Christians who sincerely love one another regardless of uh, backgrounds or walks of life or whatever, you know? I, I, I told the story before, but in, the, in, when, in my early years of, of, of the Lord, we're so excited. Anytime we heard there was a meeting anywhere, we didn't care what kind of church it was. If we heard God was on the scene, we'd show up. We were Jesus freaks. It was during the Jesus movement, you know. And, and, and I remember we went to a Church of God church, which is supposed to be Pentecostal, spirit-filled, Walked in, and most of my friends in blue jeans and sandals or bare feet, long hair, whatever. And we walk in, and the front row says reserved, but nobody's sitting there. So we sit down on the floor in front of the front row. Because we always had the phrase, you know, you want to sit under the spout where the glory runs out. And it, and it didn't run out in the back. So we wanted to sit down front, you know. And we're just getting settled in. We're all excited, man. We're like, man, this is all going to be good. And my buddy Walt, my LSD friend who got saved and fell the Holy Ghost, 
And uh, he said, bro, he's I'm so excited. It's going to be good. Oh, it's going to be good. And I'm like, settle down, man. Settle down. Next thing you know, here come an usher. And he tapped the guy on the end, and he looked at all of us. He said, follow me. Took us up through the aisle. We're like, oh, we must be getting special seats somewhere, you know. <laughs> and um, he ushered us out of the building and said, when you get cleaned up and cut your long hair and dress properly, then you're welcome back. And he closed the door of the church. And my friend Walt looked at me and go, what do we do? I said, I don't know. I said, I'm, we were all new believers. And he said, I just read in the Bible somewhere, he says, if they don't accept you, shake the dust off your feet. So there was about half a dozen of us doing like this on their front porch, on the front steps as people were coming to their church like the hippies have invaded us, you know, and we're, we're doing like this. They thought we were stomping, getting ready to attack them or something. And said, you might not want to go in there. They might throw you out like they threw us out, you know. Well, you know, will the fruit of what's taking place cause unbelievers to say, that's got to be God because look at the love among them. And then the last fruit is the love for the unreached. For the lost. John 4.35. What does it say? Lift up your eyes and look at the fields. For they are already white unto harvest. And if those words were true in the time of Jesus. They're ever more true even today. So I just conclude this by just saying. That any genuine move of Holy Spirit. Will result in laborers. Willing to share and tell the message of Jesus. Otherwise, it really doesn't reflect the heart of God. Many times, sadly, what we hear are revival movements are self-serving, self-absorbing, self-consuming for ourselves, for Christians, and they're not worried about the lost that are out there. Bring a lost person in then I say there's good fruit. But if you're passing them along the way with disdain and, and to go to a meeting where the Holy Spirit's at, something, something's wrong. So I just close with this statement that it, if, if events pass all five of these things, you can be sure that that's a move or an act of God. And it doesn't mean that everyone or everything is faultless. And what I mean by that is we're all human. And you have to look at the whole. I cannot look at one person who's maybe behaving poorly or acting wrong and judge a whole movement off that one person. I have to look at the whole picture. And what, so that's why I say, but we have to be careful that, realize that not everyone or everything is going to be perfect or without a fault or whatever. But we look at the whole and is this a move of God? And we say yes. 
then we can dive right in and, and just relish the fact that God is visiting, God is moving. Amen? Any other comments or thoughts or whatever that you have? Anyone? Right. And um, I went to a church not too long ago, and we were worshiping, and this woman had this these wings, and she was just, and, and I, I don't, I want her to worship, but it wasn't about worship to me. It was about flaunting herself, and I just, it, it won the whole. Can you hear what she's saying? Can, can you all hear? Here, could you say it again? So it's, yeah, so it's in your words. Um, what I was saying is that um, when he had these people write down what they're prophesying about, um, I've been in churches that it's, it's God is an organized God, and he's not going to have you just stand up and say something without it being, you know, directly what it's, he's talking about. Or And I went to a service not too long ago, and... Uh, we were worshiping, and this woman had this set of wings, and she was just flipping all over. And 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 I looked at my sister, and she's like, well, she's worshiping. And I'm like, no, she's not. <laughs> she's not. I'm sorry. She was making a spectacle of herself to talk about, to make sure you knew she was holy. And, and it ruined the whole experience for me. And my sister was like, you're a grump. But, and I probably am. But it, it just... I don't know. God is an organized God. He's not going to have people just using wings. And, there, and, it, and there when, is, she was behind us and she was doing it. Yes, of course. But the fact that she had to go out there and make a spectacle of herself, it just... Draw attention to yeah, herself. Yeah. I, I, that's what, she, that's what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, Y'all understand what she was saying there? Um, there's nothing wrong with flags or banners and things like that in worship. And, um, it's, and, and I've had people come to me before here and at other churches and saying, can we do this? And I'd say, yes, you can absolutely do that as long as it's done not to draw attention to you and it's done in a manner that's safe because especially if they got sticks or something like that. You know, I've seen actual people get poked or hit with them. And... Um, uh, so there is a way in which to do that, and we 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 we've been training. How many years now? We got young people, young, doing uh, worship with um, banners and flags and things like that. And uh, but it is sometimes where a person's doing it to draw attention to themselves, and that's where it crosses the line. Now, if a person comes into a church and they've never been in a church where anybody's used banners or flags or whatever, then, then they think, well, they're just drawing attention to themselves, but it's the manner in which the person is doing it that makes whether or not that's true. No, that's new to them. That's outside their wheelhouse. So it's drawing attention to that person, to them, but that person may be in a space or a place where they're worshiping the Lord and there, 
they're not interested in drawing attention to themselves at all. So we have to, again, have to distinguish between that. What is the motive behind it? Years ago, um, it's funny when you said that, I, I remember something that happened to me years ago. When I was pastoring down in Vachery, Louisiana, um, there, was a meet, there was a movement that had been going for a few, couple of decades called Full Gospel Businessmen. And then suddenly there became a women's movement called A Glow. Um, or it used to be a glow with the spirit, and they sh shortened it to a glow. And, and women show up for meetings five times more than guys do, it seems like. And, uh, but uh, they were usually held during the day. And um, I was one of the few pastors in the area uh, um, that, had a, that was spirit-filled. And so their rules required that a pastor be present um, to kind of oversee what was going on, just to make sure that things didn't get out of line. There was the idea of having authority, someone there. Um, and so um, uh, it was myself and two other pastors in the area, one in Donaldsonville, one in another place, and we would rotate. So uh, every three months, it was my turn to go to the women's meeting. And I was there just to enjoy it but to judge and see what was going on and um, this was a long time ago some of you might know this but years ago they used to do song we used to do we, they used to call it singing song off the wall songs and it wasn't the songs were off the wall they just put the songs on a transparency and put it up on the wall so I remember an evangelist saying, he's these off-the-wall songs. He said, I just don't get used to these off-the-wall songs. But anyway, they had someone, and, and you, they'd have boxes of all these songs that they had, had come out, you know, and, um, and somebody was in charge of putting the transparencies and changing them out, you know, so you can imagine what that was like. And, uh, but this was my first meeting. My, time, my term, to, I forgot the term they used. And anyway, I was the, to oversee this meeting. So the worship began, and there was probably about 250 women there. And because uh, the guest speaker was supposedly some big name speaker I'd never heard of. But anyway, um, and the worship began, and it started off great. And this was during the time when all of a sudden it seemed like every new worship song was in a minor key set to like a Jewish Melody. Justin's going, no, no, no. <laughs> and and um, so they had like a medley of four or five of these songs, okay? But that was no big deal. We were doing them in my church, so I pastored too. And, um, but all of a sudden, about five or six women got out from their table, and there was a head table up on a platform, and a person was down on the floor, like down here with the transparencies, putting the thing up on the screen. The screen was right behind the head table. Y'all got this? And here comes these five women, and they're dancing, just dancing and worshiping, which I was fine with that, until they went up on the platform, and God suddenly just stopped them in front of the screen and they all just stood there through song after song after song after song after song. And I got so grieved that I walked over to them in the middle of the song and I said, 
as nice as I could. Get off the platform. And they were dancing and twirling, and they said, but we're worshiping. Get off the platform. Go worship him in the back. And they were so upset, they stopped twirling. And they went back to their seat. And they were so angry with me. Yeah, I just zapped all the fun out of the place. Everybody else was, oh my, really, there were several came up to me afterwards saying, thank you. Because the fact wasn't that they were twirling or dancing, but it was just the fact that they, they just happened to stop to where nobody could see the words to the songs, and all the light literally was on them from the overhead transparency. It was nothing but to draw attention to themselves. I said, this is a grieving Holy Spirit. I said, get off the platform. And they said, we're worshiping the Lord. I said, get off the platform, just like that. And I was trying not to make it any loud, but the next time I was going to be really loud and everybody's going to hear it. And they got off the platform and they <laughs> went and sat down and made a big stink about it. And um, I, I knew I was in trouble already. And that was my first time there. First impressions, you know, I mean, you know. But, you, but was that out of order? No, that was an absolute order as far as I'm concerned. And... Um, then there was an issue at the end of the meeting. I don't want to go into all that, but this speaker told these hundred and something women that they just got saved and they never repented. They never did it. And they said, don't you just feel the warmth? If you feel the warmth and they had everybody hugging everybody, they said the warmth, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. You're now saved. There was no message of repentance. There was no prayer. There was nothing. Just the warmth of, of everybody's hug. That was God's hug on you. And now you're saved. And so I told the, lead, the head of the organization, they brought me the tape. I had to sign a waiver authorizing the duplication of the, of the tape that they were selling for $3, cassette tape. And I said, no, I will not sign that waiver. They said, you have to. I said, no, I don't. That's the reason I'm here. I said, what she said is not biblical. I will not have my name on there. And while the leader argued with me, they were duplicating tapes like crazy in the back and selling them as fast as they could. And so I, told the, I wrote to the national office and told them what was going on. And I said, I, I surrender my position. I'm not, I have anything to do with it. Because I said, that whole chapter's out of order. I was a young preacher, what I know. But it wasn't right. Holy Spirit was not in that. Because a hundred and something people walked out thinking they were saved, born again, because they felt a warmth of a hug. That's not biblical. Anyway, there is a way for the gifts to operate, for people to be used, the body to be used, the Bible says when you all come together, one of you has a song, a hymn, a word, something. We should be open to that. And, when, and there's a way to make that flow. But I was in a church one time, and every Sunday, if that lady was there, she was going to interrupt the middle of worship with a false message or a false word or something like that and do it in such a way that it disrupted it, the worship. And that's what I think she's trying to say, that there's or God ordains order 
but that doesn't mean that it can't be at a certain time or, you know, it can't be spontaneous. But when it's done and it disrupts and draws attention or whatever, um, you have to, again, look at the whole picture and draw your conclusion from that. So that's why I said don't be quick to judge on one thing. Recognize, too, that maybe that's a baby in the Lord, a young person, young in the Lord trying to learn to follow the Holy Spirit. But if that's the case, then they're open to correction and teaching. And that's a good thing, right? I appreciate you sharing that. I don't know if Brother Andrew... Acting. Church. I think some of it is just the fear of man on me that looks at them and go, you know, that's a little bit too much, but it's actually the fear of man. I would never do that. Right. I would not run around the building. That's probably bad. It's things that the Lord's like, you know, I'm not impressed with you about. You know, that you wouldn't be uh, spontaneous and not care about what Right. We care too much about what people think about us, too. Yes. I agree with you. Yeah. So, and again, that's why we say we have to look at the whole and the context of it, you know. Um, yeah. You have the person who is exuberant in worship every single time. Then you have the one who's quietly sitting there worshiping the Lord. And we'll say... Raise your hands. Get up. Move around. You're not worshiping God. Well, we're, we're putting God in the box again because we would react that way. We think everybody has to react that way. And so then we see someone who reacts a certain way and we go, ooh, I would never do that, you know. Why wouldn't you do that? Would you do it if God asked you to do that, you know? And uh, so we judge it by that, and, and that's easy to do. Um, uh, but then... Sometimes God uses people like that to bump us, move us into a, a, out of our comfort zone, so to speak. Um, I pastored in a church in North Louisiana. It's the third oldest Assembly of God church in, in the state of Louisiana. So it had a, I went from a church that we started in a home to a church that was 70 years old. Night and day. Different time zones, latitudes, everything. And, um, but uh, I mentioned the other day that, I think it was Sunday, I mentioned it, that they had a choir loft behind me, you know, and they had the thrones up there for the pastor to sit on and all that stuff. And, and, um, but they always had, it wasn't a choir, like an organized choir. It was just people who sang during the worship time, you know. And uh, so, but... I remember one Sunday, a, a, a lady said to me, Pastor, I almost tapped you on the shoulder and said, look out, I got to come out of this choir loft. I said, what were you going to do? She goes, I was going to run. And I've never seen this lady get emotional about anything. And I said, well, next time, don't tap me, just go. And so a couple of weeks went by, 
And all of a sudden, we, we had one of them Holy Ghost worship times, which was rare for that church. And all of a sudden, I heard a shuffling behind me, and she had tapped two or three others evidently and said, I'm going. Are you with me? Next thing I know here, they take off around the church. Now, before service, I had a college-age girl come to me. She says, I have five or six of my friends who are going to be in my wedding in a few weeks, and they're visiting here today. Don't let any of that weird stuff happen. And I just said, what weird stuff? She goes, you know what I mean. She gave me that evil eye, you know. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. Every time you say, don't let something happen, that's usually when it does. But I said, I ain't going to do it, you know. So anyway, I, had, I was sitting up there on the far, on the far side and, of, the, of the thrones. And, and that lady was behind me. And all of a sudden, she took off with about three ladies behind her. Well, when they took off, here come half the choir down the steps, heading down. This sanctuary was like 95 feet long. It was a cathedral ceiling, 36 feet high. And they were coming off the platform. It was 95 feet long, not counting the platform in the baptistry. Okay, so it was 100-something feet long. And they took off down the side. And when they did, we had a little lady in the church. Her name was Sister Kavanaugh. She didn't weigh 85 pounds, sopping wet. And when the Holy Ghost would hit her, you'd, you'd see her start. And I'm like, and so when they took off and they passed her, there she went. And I, I knew where that girl was sitting. And I didn't look over there, but I could feel it coming, coming my way, you know. And so this lady, these ladies taking off, well, people that are in the pews, they start jumping in the line and going around too. The line's getting longer. When they got around the back of the church, there were some people that I've never seen move an arm, a hand, or blink an eye during a service. They jumped up with their hands. The music's going. The, the worship guy's up there doing like this, and he looks at me, he goes, I said, don't stop. Just keep on going. Just keep on going. So he's, he looks at the piano player and just like, keep going, keep going, you know. And, they've, and so they're, now they're making another round. And four or five people popped up that I've never seen move no matter what. And I'm like, this is a move of God. So when they came around the front again, they looked at me. I said, go. And they took off again. And when they did, here go the rest of the choir. More people coming out of the pews. Sister Kevin, she, she goes down. Whoa! When she falls down, like eight people around her go out under the power of the Holy Ghost. And I look over at that girl, and she just like... But her friends sat there with their mouths wide open. And afterwards came up, and she came up so angry. But her friends answered the altar call and came up and said we don't know what that was but that was we felt something in this place and I said that was the Holy Spirit and what you saw were people reacting to the power of God and they said we want that now she didn't want her friends to be exposed to it but they all wanted it. 
And the way they said, we don't understand that. And I said, it's the best, best description I've ever used. I said, there's a wall outlet right there. I said, get one of those ladies over there that's got her hair up about this high and get a hairpin from them. I said, take the little plastic things off the end, put it metal, open it up, and 10 of you go over there and one by one stick, your, stick that hairpin in that outlet and watch how they react. Everyone will react differently. But what's coming out is the same. It's 110 volts. One person would stick it in and go, ooh. You know? Another person would stick it in and go, oh! Another one might stick it in and go, oh! Down on the ground. And they're just flopping like a dead fish. I said, but it's the same thing coming out of the wall. But they respond differently. Because we're made differently. And God knows what we need. And I can tell you those people that popped up who had never moved before, God did a work in them that day, just popping up, running around that church like that. They made, I think, three laps. And I think they would have kept going, except they were all physically wore out. That was a lot of running, 100 feet that way, crossed 100 feet that way, three times. I mean, I don't know how many feet that is. How many times around a track is that? You know, but I mean, they were energized. But from that point on, those people who had been dead paperweights spiritually in the church suddenly came alive. Amen. So we need to recognize that God used somebody who we might think was like, that's not God because we wouldn't do it. <laughs> you more. Yeah, I saw people who wouldn't be the leader, but they jumped up when, when, the, when, when it started. You know, every, everything always needs a leader. You know, so that's a good point, Andrew. It really is. And um, anyway, I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. Amen. Well, why don't we just stand together and let's just ask God. Just tell him, Lord, whatever you need to do in me to have your way, do it. Show me. I will not say no. I say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Father, we just thank you and we praise you right now. We thank you for Holy Spirit. We thank you for the fruits that, God, we can judge biblically. Because we know that everything you do produces good. James tells us that, that good comes down from the Father above. And God, that's what we want. We're not interested in, quote, having church. We're interested in being the church. We're interested in Holy Spirit having his way, moving in our midst. We're not interested in disorganization but we're not interested so much that we organize 
him completely out. Help us to be sensitive to the prompting and the leading of Holy Spirit in our lives. That we don't miss those divine appointments that you have for us and others. Father, you're such a good, good father. And we thank you for your love and your grace. Now, Father, I just bless these people here today. Bless them as they go home. Let them be refreshed in mind and body and spirit, Lord God. In fact, before I close, is anybody in need of prayer for people to pray with you right now? Anyone? Loud ringing? Okay. Well, some of you lay, lay hands. Here's some oil. Here, Andrew. Take the oil. Anoint him. Pray for his ears. Loud ringing in his ears. Been getting louder and louder. Thank you, Father. Now, Father, in obedience to your word, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Hope to see you at a home meeting this week or uh, Sunday. Bring somebody with you. Praise God. Amen.